There was a line in that song that stood out to me at that moment that I was like, I heard it and I was like, holy shit, this was meant for me to hear at this time. And in the song, the line is, too often times it happens that we live our lives in chains and we never even know we have the key. And it was like, whoa, like that really dug down deep into my soul thinking like all the shit that I want to become, it's in here already. I just have to figure out how to get it out. It's already inside. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Mental Purpose Podcast. I'm your host Ian Lobos and we have a very exciting show for you today. I'm so pumped to bring you this content. First, let's take care of some housekeeping. Number one, thank all of you. Thank all of you for the support you have given me and this show and the content we're producing and our mission to elevate, educate, empower, enrich, and evolve men to be on purpose. That is it. And that is a huge mission. Sounds simple. It is really big, really deep, and I'm really freaking happy I'm on it. So remember, if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, make sure you click that subscribe button. And if you're kind enough to give us a five-star rating and review, if you love what we're doing here. And obviously, as the top 1% podcast in the world, you guys are loving what we're doing. So my gratitude to you, deep, deep gratitude. As always, if you want to find out more information about the show, about our coaching programs, about our front runner weekend mastermind retreats um, or our personal involvement retreats. You can go to ianlobos.com or frontrunner.group. We've got a, a retreat coming up in, um, in July. It's a four-day retreat, super deep dive, personal involvement coaching, personal development, a little bit of business coaching. If you're looking for that thing, guess what? Here's your clue. Go to frontrunner.group, get signed up or book a 20-minute call with me. You can hit my, uh, hit my website up for that. Super easy. Don't stop. Don't slow down when you know you need some help, some guidance. I'm not going to bite. Aaron's not going to bite. We're free right now. That 20-minute call is free. And I'm guaranteeing that what you learn on that call, I wish I had testimonials just on the calls. What you learn on that call will blow your mind. Honestly, that's how dialed in we are. And it's not bragging. It's just confidence. We love what we do. And this is our mission. We're super dialed in. So check it out. We also have coming up, it's actually launched now, is our free Men on Purpose Facebook community. Again, not the Men on Purpose podcast community, which is different, all about the podcast. This one's all about the mission, elevate, educate, empower, enrich, and evolve men to be on purpose. So in there, we're doing tons of content, tons of coaching. Aaron and I are there at least once a week live. We just launched the group. You'll have access to anything and everything. We're building a, an amazing community of people, not just men, but people who want to be on purpose in their lives, find that purpose, find that mission, and live life on their terms with no regrets. That is powerful. I'm super excited to announce that. Again, our Front Runner event's coming up. We have uh, three this year. The first one's in July, or the next one's in July. It's going to be awesome. It's a four-day retreat. It's basically three and a half days. Deep dive, personal involvement coaching. If you're looking to get out of your own way, that is it. In three and a half days, we guarantee we will get you there. That will be the point in which you shift in your life that you will always remember. And that's our mission for the front runner events. If you need coaching and consulting on your business and your personal life, hit me up. That's what I do. It's freaking awesome. Now, let me get to the guests. My guest today is a good friend of mine, Dennis Moralda. He is a true man on purpose. This dude blew my mind on this interview. He is so dialed in. And guess what? He wasn't. He lived like most of us and he you know, went to school and tried to get good grades and went to college and got that job thinking that that's what he was supposed to do. But guess what? For 20 years, he was freaking miserable until one day it snapped and he knew he needed to take a step back, face the pain, face the fear, face all the bullshit coming to him, whatever consequences came, you know, a divorce came, you'll hear more about that and, and actually shift to live his life on purpose and find his mission and find what he was supposed to do for this planet. And I know that sounds foo-foo and woo-woo, and if you're not there, that's totally cool. You're not going to get it right now. But when you do get it, you'll look back on this and say, man, I now know what Ian was talking about. And it's important because you don't want to die with regrets. You don't want to not be that father you should be. You don't want to not be that husband or wife or, or mother that you should be. And if you're not living the life that you want, if who you are is not who you want to be, then this is what you do. This is the work. If you're not where you want to be, then this is the work. You know, like I said, front runner, our front runner events, our coaching events, they are going to be perfect to get you dialed in. So Dennis and I go into literally everything about his life from his job and what he was trying to do with, with young men at the school as a principal 
um, in terms of leading and guiding them to uh, a divorce, to you know, failure over and over again, and really digging in and making that commitment to find his purpose. And it is a, it is a truly transformational episode. You're going to want to listen to every single freaking minute down to the last minute when he drops even just, just keeps dropping gold, just keeps dropping gold. So let me give you Dennis's um, quick bio, right? Dennis was a former school teacher, coach, principal, Dennis works with individuals and schools and organizations all over the country, providing professional development, assembly programming, motivational speaking, and life coaching. His programs explore social, emotional learning, communication, resilience, and teamwork in the classroom, on the athletic field, and in life, which is what freaking kids need. They don't need all that junk that they're piled, their brains are piled with. They need this. That's why Dennis is a man on purpose. Additionally, he's the host of the Building Men podcast, which is a motivational destination for real talk about purpose and mindset, relationships and connections, and the foundational building blocks to success. So Dennis speaks candidly about finding his purpose after 20 years in the education field and how he transformed his life. He's going to do that on this, does that on his podcast. This dude is legit. Give him the mental purpose stamp of approval. If I have one, I'm giving it to Dennis. Listen, no more talk. This is Dennis Meralda. Thanks for listening. All right, Dennis. Welcome, man. Let's get uh, let's get to the good stuff, dude. You got such an interesting story. I mean, how did we meet? I forget who who introduced us. We met uh, via Sal yes. Liberty. Yeah, uh, via Austin Lenny. That's right, right. And we had Austin on about a month and a half ago. Um, yeah, dude. So you have such an interesting story that I think is going to be uh, so purposeful and rewarding and beneficial to the audience to learn what choices you've made in life to move toward and into your mission versus fighting it in resistance, chasing the money and what you, what, what society thinks you're supposed to do. And by the way, out of the you know, probably thousands of people that I've coached over the last decade, that is probably the number one thing that people are stuck in is the difference in the resistance between where they are and where they feel they should be. And the, the resistance is in the societal pressure, the familial pressure, the, the, the financial pressure to make those changes and shifts in their lives, but they just can't pull the trigger unless they have the proper systems and procedures right. and, and, and guidance. And that's your mission now. So take us back, man, introduce us to who you were, back when and, and what you were doing and then how you got to this place you're at today. Absolutely. So first of all, Ian, thank you so much for having me on the Men on Purpose podcast. I started following along with your journey and I'm truly honored to be just a part of, of what you're doing here. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan and being a part of this is, is truly an honor. So I'll start, I mean, I'll start basically a year ago right now in my life. It was at, I was at this crossroads, picture like a Robert Frost home where the the roads diverge in the woods and I was kind of standing there I was in this muck kind of trudging along in life I was depressed I was unhappy I was kind of considering every life decision I had ever made and it was actually a moment where I pulled off to the side of the road and I was basically in tears like thinking what the hell how did I get to this point in my life where I just am not the man that I thought I was supposed to be and so rewind from that spot. I was I graduated from college. I was um, played baseball and I majored in elementary education. So I was a teacher, a sixth grade teacher, a varsity baseball coach for years. And I got started in the track to be a school leader at an early age. So um, after four and a half, five years in the classroom, I became an assistant principal in uh, central New Jersey. I spent three years as an assistant principal. And then I was on the fast track. I got my master's degree or uh, teaching. I got my master's degree and then I became a principal at an early age. I started as a principal on the Jersey Shore um, right around the time of Hurricane Sandy, a little bit before that, but on the Jersey Shore. I was 31 years old as a, a middle school principal and I was younger than almost every single staff member in the school. Coincidentally enough, I took over that position for a man who was in his position and as the principal for 20 plus years and he died on it in a car crash on his way to work during state testing. So when I took over as a principal, I walked into the doors of his office that hadn't been open since he died in a car crash. And I took over this position that was really overwhelming for me. It was at that time that I really started to understand and appreciate the power of community um, as a part of being an, an, an educator. So I was a middle school principal um, for a total, uh, spent about 14 years 
as an administrator. Most of them were as a middle school principal. There was something always that didn't feel quite authentic in what I was doing. I really believed in the power of community and the power of, um, you know, getting to know every single student in the school and really trying to motivate them via character education, via um, how they could show up as the best versions of themselves and um, through self-confidence. And I, just to a point where I was like, in education, it became more about creating this kind of standardized cookie cutter kid. And it was more about, you know, pushing information into their brains rather than digging deep to figure out what each kid was capable of and what, what we can do to really harness all the things that they had inside of them to help them develop into the best person they could possibly be. Yeah. While I was in, as an educator, as, a, as an educator, assistant principal and principal, I started a program called Building Men. This is back in 2005, I think my first year as an assistant principal. And so I started this program um, because there was actually a girls program. We had a really great uh, dynamic guidance counselor that ran a girls group. And it was all about empowerment and, you know, what the society and media was telling the girls that they could and couldn't be. There was no program for the boys that was synonymous. So I started this program called Building Men, and I had a ton of boys join up. They were mostly 7th and 8th grade boys. And what it started as was just them having a group to bitch about the girls. That's what they thought of us. <laughs> Listen, the girls have their group. We need our group that we're going to go talk about boobs and butts, and we're going to, you know, this is what we're going to do as, as young men. I was like, all right, slow your roll there, kids. Like, we're going we're gonna to get into some deep shit, but it's going to be like, what does masculinity mean? What, is, you know, what, is, what does it truly mean? So we went on this kind of self-discovery journey together. And I'll tell you, and it was probably the most powerful thing I did in education was just seeing how this bond that we created. So I was like, as an, as an assistant principal and a principal, kids were coming to school before the day started. So say they had to be there at 8 o'clock. They were getting to school at 7.15 Wow. to be a part of this building men's social group. And what I started to realize was it started to break down a lot of the barriers that existed with the boys in school, and they started to build community. We had a huge decrease in a number of disciplinary incidents. We had less truancy. We had their grades started to rise. I don't know if it was all a result of this, but I think it had a big part to play. Yeah. So I started to realize like, this is what it's all about. This is what my calling is, is to try to do something like this. But as I got further along into education, people that I worked for, boards of education, superintendents were like, listen, you need to be holding people accountable for their lesson planning, for the curriculum, for the standardized tests. It was more about making sure that kids gained 1.2 percentage points on a standardized test in literacy at the end of the year, rather than helping them become better people. Yeah. And so I finally, I was like, what is this about? Am I trying to just go along as a cog in this machine? Or am I really going to take a step away and try to do something that I believe in? And so that's what I did. I took a step away in 2019. I left a, a nice paying job, a six-figure job with a pension that I pretty much just had to coast out another maybe 15 years. And I can start collecting 60% of my final three-year salary on average and full benefits. But I was like, I can't look at myself in the mirror and continue to do what I'm doing right now. So I stepped away from it and um, it was a tough decision, real, real tough decision. Yeah. And so now I'll, I'll go back to where I started that story where I was at that muck, you know, quarantine happened. And what I was doing was I was doing a lot of virtual presentations and keynote speeches and working with schools to kind of help them help teachers understand how do you build community with kids and how do you teach kids. So I started doing some of that work, but with, with the quarantine and COVID that shut down, schools were closed. So now it was like, shit, I left this big job, right. all this on the table. I rolled the dice myself and it, it didn't work. Meanwhile, I'm going through a divorce and I'm at this spot where I blew it. I, ru I ruined it all. And that's where I kind of came to that point where I started this story where I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, what now? So well, I kind of had this. Hold tight right there because I have some questions that I know the audience yeah. has questions. So you, you rolled through that really quick and confidently. And I know there's some pieces in there that other people listening to this are saying to themselves, yeah, that was him. I don't know if I can do that. My situation is not the same. So first of all, let's just call it like it is. The, the, the middle school principal, like many things for, for those of us that are on the other side, and really dug into or on our mission or finding our purpose, it's the means to an end. And that was it for real estate for me, real estate sales for me was the means to an end. And I yep. never believed it when my coaches would tell me, they're like, look, you're not, cut, you're not cut for real estate. You're just really good at it because 
your, your high level is pretty damn high. And I was in it because I love the clients, right? I love working with these, these great people that just kept referring me and, and it was easy. Um, but I knew that it was the means to an end for my, my real mission. And I needed to stay with it and not be so angry that I had to do it every day because I knew it was going to get me to this mission. I just didn't know how long it would take. And that's the same thing for you. So for those yeah. listening who are in some dead end job or in something that they feel inside, like this isn't it, this isn't working, you see the telltale signs. Just take a, just take a reframe on that mindset and say, look, I know this is a means to an end. So stop fighting that you're there. Just realize you're there for a certain point and then start applying that brain power to figure out what it is that you need to go or do on your mission or who you need to be on the mission. Most of the time it's who you need to be. And I think when you, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you realized how flawed our school system is, and I don't care what you think or who you are, our school systems are flawed. There are amazing teachers. There are amazing educators out there. I have several friends that are amazing teachers and educators. However, it's, you're not getting an education. You're just getting taught. You're getting schooled. And you called it and said, look, the most important thing is to make sure that these kids hit the, the standardized tests and their grades rise so you can get a budget. That's it. Like, that's it. You don't, rise those, you don't raise those grades. You don't get money to help the school and help these kids stay in this little cog. And that's fucked up. It is. And the other thing that happens is that a lot of administrators have these merit-based goals that are, that are tied to the fourth grade special education students raising their math test scores by one percentage point. Right. And so where do you think they're going to spend a lot of their time as an administrator? They're going to make sure that they're spending more time in those classrooms, giving those students a little bit extra TLC because they know that they have a financial reward based on those students gaining in that specific area. The other thing is just the idea of grades in general. Mm-hmm. It's something that I've really, you know, sat back and thought deep about. It's just we're placing a numerical value on whatever the product that the students are presenting to us. I believe it's more about the process in education than it is about the product. Yeah. I believe also like the, the lessons that you learn in school, you can probably count on, on one hand the lessons that you learn in your 12 years mm-hmm. in, in education from kindergarten to your, your senior year in high school. And I guarantee that not one of those things is around a specific subject area. You're not going to say, oh, I, I really love learning about you know, the quadratic equation. Right. Oh, God damn. I, the, you know, learning about the battle, battle of Gettysburg was like that, that really got me off as an eighth grade student. No, yeah. the lessons that you learned were about determination. It was about time management, maybe collaboration. How do you navigate difficult social situations in school? The other thing I believe in is that, and you, I know you believe this too, when, when you have this multi-sensory experience in education, that's where learning happens. And what I mean by that is when you can tie, if you can tie an emotion to some, something that you're doing and an experience, that's where you're going to learn something. Think about the, the things in your life that you can recall right now and say, wow, I really remember this event. There's probably some emotion tied to it. Oh. It could be extreme happiness. It could be shame. It could be sadness. It could be anger. But those are the things that stick out in your head. So I challenge educators, find a fucking way to tie an emotion to that experience and have kids do something, then they'll remember it. Then that's actual learning that's going to take place. Yeah. You know, there's a, a phenomenal book. I don't know if you've heard it. It's called The Five-Hour School Week, written by a friend of mine, Aaron Amuchastegui, and, and his wife, Aklina. And in that book, they compile a ton of research. Uh, they, they take their own experience in the, in the flawed school system, and they, and they uh, do a ton of research on how kids actually learn. And one of the things that they said that stuck out to me was that from a very early age, kids learn about comparison to others because they're constantly being compared to others. And then they're made to feel different about if their grades aren't good enough, if they aren't, you know, the, the teachers are telling them, you know, hey, your, your kid doesn't read on the level they need to. So, hey, go home this summer, have them compi- pile on a ton of books, ton of reading so they can get up to speed of this class, which means you're keeping up with, with the society that you're living in. And now the parents are, are forcing their kids based on their own internal insecurities and things like that. And, and it's, a, it's just a vicious cycle that just keeps the cogs in the wheel going. But it, it, it's, 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 and this isn't, a, this isn't an episode about education, by the way. This is just Dennis's story. And I just want to pick out some, some pieces of it that are, that are really significant. But like, to break that cycle, we need guys like you in education. 
And I know there are a lot out there. I, I know I've met some really phenomenal teachers who just have their hands tied with, his, with the amount that they can actually do. And, you know, like moving out to California, like we looked for a specific school for my daughter because public school, zero possibility that she's going to a public school. I'll homeschool her before I send her to public. Right. And, and it's, it's a, because I don't want her to be a cog in the wheel. I want her to be a powerful woman, you know, girl that, that understands herself from the inside and, and can problem solve and not compare herself to others and not receive grades for the way she studies or the way she, she does a test. I mean, I hated that in school, dude. I hated that. I, I was so defiant to the system because I couldn't understand why I felt smart. I felt like I was smart in all these other areas, but when it came to writing an English paper, I failed constantly. And it was like, you won't make it. You won't be anything unless you, unless you can do this. And even through college, it was like that. And I'm lucky that the college I went to was, was, very liberal, very progressive. And they, I talked to the Dean about it all the time. And the Dean would actually help me and side with me and say, you know what, you're right. We're, I'm seeing a different view of how the students are, are, are understanding things here. And you're right. Let's open this up for you. Let's open that up for you. And I, and I felt like I excelled because they finally saw something that I wanted to do the way I wanted to do it. And I felt the same way in business, you know, working for the, or working with the broker that I used to work with, they have a system and you're supposed to follow that system. Well, it happened to be that I became a top producer consistently over many, many years, not following that system. They did not like that at all. Right. They read it, but they didn't like it at all. So, I mean, I want to get into your like real mission, but you know, how, what can people do, especially for their, their children? Cause I think like in my neighborhood, there's an elementary school. I think half the parents were excited that school opened back up because now they got a babysitter for the day and they didn't have to, they have to be around their pain in the ass kids all day. And it's sad. That's really freaking sad. Yeah, it is. What can people do? Your story, your story just made me think about even how teachers manage systems of, of uh, behaviors in the classroom. So think about when I remember going to school, like you were told, like you have to get in line, you have to, you know, walk in a certain way. It was almost like, you know, ants marching, like you, everything had to be in a specific way. So you had some teachers that were more autocratic in nature, where it was, they were, they were on stage. It was their way. They, they did not care what you thought. It was, they were going to like jam information down your throat. They would raise their voice and they would use shame as a means for managing behavior. You know, conversely, you'd have the really permissive teachers who, was, who were very laissez-faire, who was like, hey, we're going to, you know, I'll burn some incense. We'll put on some music. You do what you want to do. And the kids were in the classroom yeah. and everyone was anxious because they were worried about bullying and things like that going on. And so there was no learning going on there either. So like I talked to teachers about like finding a way to, to teach students the, the, the value of like self-discipline. Yeah. So I think that that's really a lost art is like teaching them like, okay, you're going to make mistakes as a, as a kid, especially like middle and high school. It's just going to happen where you're going to fuck up. Yeah. It's like, how do you, what do you learn from those experiences? What deeper life lesson can we take from those experiences that will serve us in the future? And so what can we do for schools? I mean, you know, I think we need a wrecking ball first yeah. and knock it down. And then we need to start building. And like the whole thing with building men is like, you need to start and go brick by brick and little things that we can start incrementally adding, but it needs to be about the journey, not about the destination, not about the grade. It needs to be about the experience that they're going to have along the way. Do you mean, do you mean knock it down physically as well? Because I mean, I, I think school is I mean, the ugliest. Uh, listen, I, let's talk about that too, because even the physical structure of schools, it, jail, I mean, you're, you're kind of put into this box, basically. Yeah. I, would, I would really want like to reimagine even the, the physical structure of how schools are created, where kids need to be outside. Kids need to be, kids need to, even in middle schools, I believe in high schools, kids need to have an opportunity to go out and, and have like a recess period, even in a high school. Yeah. You, you know, you probably have your best days is when you can, you can fucking get outside and see the sun for that's, 20 minutes. That's because Why do we put our kids in the cage all day? They learn through play. My daughter's been at a, at a uh, country day school. So a little bit of Montessori base, all outside education, right? When it's, when it's pouring rain or pouring snow, like they may come in for an hour or two, but dude, they are out 70%, 80% of the day they're outside. Rain, snow, sleet, cold, hot, doesn't matter. And her learning, because she's built like me, maybe my son's different, but like she's built like me, she learns through play. That's how kids learn. That's how animals learn. They play with each other and they learn. 
Kids don't want to be at six years old sitting, oh my God, I can't tell you how much I hated first grade to sit in line like that and, and not fidget and not talk. And dude, it, it, was, it was disgusting. Plus the school is disgusting as well. I mean, you got four generations of people that have gone to the same school and the only thing they've done is basically paint it different. It's a problem. It's a problem. Yeah. It's an institution. And so I believe too that at, at an educational institution, there needs to be like the level of pride in where you're going into. Like you walk into a dump, it, it's a certain feeling, but you walk into a space that has a feel where you co you're connected to the community and whatever the school colors are and the mascot. It's just a different feeling that you, you want to feel a part of what's going on there. Totally. And when you feel connected, I totally believe what's happened with kids. And I see it. I have three kids of my own over the last year, just a level of connection and kids have this basic need for relationships. They're, like in my opinion, there's five basic needs that, that kids have and adults as well. It's the need for autonomy that our voices are heard, the need for competence that we feel good at whatever we're doing, the need for fun, the need for relationships and the need for safety. Yeah. So if in an educational institution, we can hit those five needs, autonomy, competence, fun, relationship, and safety, and we do it in a way where the kids want to be there and connected, now you're onto something. Now you can make some shit happen. Yeah, I totally agree, man. So, all right, we're going to get off bashing schools for a little bit. <laughs> but we know things need to change. We know things need to change. The thing that I'm, I'm really excited about is there are, there are a lot of alternative-style schools popping up. Acton Academy is one of them that I really like and I really enjoy. Um, Friends of mine up in Boston have a beautiful school where they teach the kids about, um, you know, growing, growing food and like sustainability and, and they teach them math. The, the new school that my daughter is going to be attending um, in LA, like they teach them at six years old, they teach them entrepreneur, entrepreneurial skills. Like, who the like <laughs> they, they like sell coffee every morning to the parents and eggs that the chickens lay and they go and collect them and they have to form systems and teams and leadership. No, nothing they learn about, about most of the subjects in elementary school are going to teach them anything that they're going to need to know for life. But when they're learning how to uh, organize teams and how to lead and how to follow, how to build systems and procedures, discipline and time management at six years old, that, those are life's lessons. So anyway... I'm Absolutely. Excited. I'm in conflict resolution because shit's yes. going to come up if they don't agree on what kind of coffee they should be selling to Mrs. Totally. Smith when she walks in. Totally. So kids, kids, when they're going through those experiential things, and you can teach some financial literacy, you can teach some math, you can teach through that experience, but that's where it happens. I think that that's so cool that they're doing that. Yeah. Now, let me, let me, let me back this thing real quick. I'm not, we're not saying anything about the general mass. We're saying that, or we're, we're not saying anything about the, those amazing teachers out there. I mean, I had, a, I had a, a girl I dated a while back. The school that she taught at was freaking amazing. And, the, and these, actually, I had two girls I dated were teachers. They both were over-the-top teachers. I mean, they knew their, the, the intimate details of their, of their kids' lives and supported them, and the kids felt love from them. Those are great educators, great teachers. Absolutely. And I mean, I've encountered hundreds of unbelievable educators in my own experience. And it just, but the problem is, is there's this kind of ceiling that they're only, they're only, they're only able to do so yeah. much because they have to hit a specific timeline with when they're addressing this point in the curriculum by this time in the year, because somebody's breathing down their neck and making sure it's in their lesson plans. And so people, kids, teachers don't have the autonomy to deliver the kind of instruction that they really want to because of this glass ceiling that, that is perpetuated. Sure. I want to get into something real quick. I'm going to switch subjects. Yeah. So you mentioned that all this shit happened and, and kind of brought back to the, the time in your car when you were just broke down. And I want to, I want to ask you about divorce if you're okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. So why did you get divorced? Was it because of who, you, obviously it was because of who you were do you think now that there is work that you could have done differently if you had grown into the man that you are today? Or do you think that it just was one of those that just, it just was not workable and, it, and freeing yourself from that marriage actually allowed you to become who you are today? I would say the latter. And okay. I would say it, it probably, it started probably 10 years ago okay. um, where it started to diverge. And if you, if, you know, if things were off by five degrees 10 years ago, 
all of a sudden now you're not in the same quadrant, you know, you're in a totally different area. Right. And we, we definitely tried, but I'll be honest, and one, I, I certainly appreciate you asking that question. I and mean, that's, that's a deep dive. And I'm like, I'm, I'm an open book. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you know this too. For so long, what I was doing was I was living this inauthentic life that I thought I needed to live. I, I was an administrator. I was a principal at an early age. So I was in my twenties when I got an administrative job and it had held this like level of prestige and clout where I felt like society would see me as a way where they knew that I was educated. Now I had my master's degree. I was making a certain salary. I had this kind of status in the community where I felt like it was a respected position to be a principal, especially in middle school where they're, the kids are fucking crazy. I love middle school. I love that age group. Love it. You got to be crazy to work with that group of kids, right? They're, they're hormonal. They're going through puberty. It's wild, but I love that age group. Um, but at, at this point, I was like, I'm, I feel like I was doing it because I felt like other people saw me in a certain way. That was, I mean, I, I could go deep dive into my, my psyche as a kid and why I became like, at a young age, I was like a people pleaser. I got bullied really, really bad in middle school. Like it's a, it's a story that would bring me to tears right now if I told it, but it, it kind of, I started to think, what can I do to make people like me? What can I do to smooth things over? What can I do to make the situation where people are not in conflict? And I took that into high school, into college, being a principal, a lot of the shit that I did was I was putting out fires and smoothing things over in a lot of situations. And I think it turned into me showing up like that in my marriage as well, where things I was just like, all right, I'll just go along with it. No big deal, but no big deal. But ultimately it was like shaking up a soda bottle and leaving it out in the sun. I was, I was ready to explode. And there was a point where I was like, I don't even know who I am anymore. And so that moment when you asked about divorce, I think it just, it was a slow progression to the point where it was just, you know, it wasn't going to work anymore. But I think going through that, I needed to check and look inward. And I think I had a conversation. I interviewed Austin Lenny. We spoke about Austin. I interviewed Austin this morning on my podcast. And one of the things we talked about was like, the journey has to start inside. If Before anything else changes, like you have to do those, that difficult look inside of yourself. And that's what I did. And I'm like, there's so many things about me that I'm not happy with that I need to change. Yeah. And ultimately for me, it was being able to look at my kids. If I'm telling my kids to show up in a certain way and I'm not doing those same things that I was telling my kids to do, like I'll tell them the most important relationship that you have is the relationship with yourself. And I had a horrible relationship with me. So I needed to start there, right? And so it, it took some time, but I, I chipped away to chipped away to And now I'm totally at ease with who I am, how I show up. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to make waves. I mean, obviously from the start of this podcast, right. before I would, I would have been like, there's no way I can't say those things. That's impossible. But that's what I believe. And I just, I, I'm going to talk about what I believe in now. And if people don't like it, that's, that's their shit, not my shit. Yeah, because you're aligned. And I, and I want to make that real distinct correlation. It's because you're aligned. And when people ask me, like, like my buddy was over this, this past weekend visiting me in LA, and he was like, how do you not let shit bother you? And I said, because, dude, it's, a, it, it's all a guide. You know, we went to get tattoos at a place that I've, I've had gotten a tattoo before in Hermosa Beach. And the tattoo artist was like an hour late, and they were very specific. Show up at 12. Well, by, by 1 o'clock, he had just walked in. No apology, no nothing. So I said, I looked at him, I tapped him on the leg, I said, we're rolling. And he's like, oh, the guy's here. I'm like, yeah, but the guy has no integrity to his time. So does he have integrity to his craft? About the tattoo of something on my body, I'm clear, we're leaving. And he's yep. like, no, let's talk to him like, and waste our energy and, 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 and mind share on that. No, dude, the universe is telling us, it's giving us a red light to stop and a green light to go. Like, stop here, now go somewhere else. You want to get tattoos today? I believe that we are destined to get a tattoo today. However, it's not here. Let's roll. And, and he was asking me about that. And I said, it's because I'm aligned with my mission, dude. Like, I just don't get bothered by little things like that, that can't, that don't, don't, that are too, too small to take up my mind share. They're not good enough for my mind share. And that's not egotistical. That's just my mission. That's clear. Yep. And, and so that same, same thing for you. Like I would, I would definitely six months ago be very worried about telling people that I was not meant to be in real estate because I'd be afraid. Oh my God, my old clients are going to think that I was a fake. But that's not true. I was in it for them. I was in it for them and the money, period. Uh, who else is, who else, who is in any job not for the money? You're in it for the money or you wouldn't be doing it. Now, yeah. coaching for me and you is different because if I had $20 million sitting in the bank right now, I'd still be on this podcast with you right now. I'd still be having my coaching clients this afternoon, the ones I had this morning. It just might be from a different house with a different car in the driveway and maybe some different clothes on and a bigger TV or something. I don't know. 
but that's alignment. And the only way you get that is by finding out who you are, who you're being for you and the world. I know too many people, you know too many people that pile on a bunch of external shit, a bunch of external exercises and skills, and they try and change their habits, but it doesn't work. One, because they're not consistent, and two, because that shit's not sustainable. Sustainable growth and change comes from the inside out, period. Write to me, mentonpurposepodcast at gmail.com if you want to fight with me on it. I love that. <laughs> Nobody has yet, but it comes from the inside out, and I will, I will argue that to the day I die. Because it's my journey too. It's how I got to become the man I am today. And if you're and if you're basing how you see yourself, I heard this on Jay Shetty, Jay Shetty's podcast. He was interviewing Will Smith, and Will Smith says he was basing his happiness on a broken mirror. The way he was seeing himself, the way that other people were seeing him, and it was a broken mirror, and that's how he was seeing himself. Oh. And that just that stuck with me. I was like, that's, a, that's some deep shit right there. And I was basing it on external things. I was basing it on other people validating me by how they saw me. And then, you know, I lived on a hill with the white picket fence, the stone house, the three kids, the, the dog named Bo, and that's just what it looked a certain way from the outside. But I was miserable for such a long time. And... Listen, like during the, that transitional period when I was going through separation and divorce, I was waiting for my house to get renovated. I was living at my parents' house, at my sister's house. I was seeing my girlfriend's house. My bro I was a, a fucking nomad yeah. trying to raise three kids and still hold shit together. But that time in my life, I learned so much about myself, about how I wanted to be as a dad, how I wanted to be as a partner, and how I how I recognize like it wasn't about the external things. I was happy and I was driving from, you know, 60 miles to, to see my kids and then back to the, it was, it was a wild couple months. And I look back and I was like, those weren't, they weren't losses. They weren't these negative things. Like you mentioned before, they were lessons that I was learning about me and about the world during that time. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing, man, that you have to go through the pain. It teaches you something and you have a choice in the pain. When things happen, they happen for you or you can choose it. They happen to you. That's your call. It's your choice at that point. Yep. How you process it is like, why is this happening? What am I supposed to get out of this? What am I supposed to learn here? Versus, you know, um, Michael Singer in the, in the book, uh, the untethered soul explains this perfectly where he says the universe is going to deliver whether you want it or not. They have, there is a mission that you're supposed to be on. There's a path and you can be in resistance or you can be in alignment. And he says, don't use your power, your strength, your brain power, your energy and effort to change the course. When you are on course, that's when you gas pedal down and that's when you go for it. And so like when things happen to people, I noticed that they try and change the course, argue their way for themselves or like, you know, the tattoo thing. We could have sat there and made, yeah. made him wrong and us right. But what would that have done for us? I wasn't going to learn anything by fighting with him. I wasn't there to prove anything. So like that was resistance. That was bending the path. When the path was get back in your convertible in the beautiful California sunshine, drop that top and cruise up to another tattoo shop near your house and see what the universe has there for you. And that's it. And so you have to go through the pain because it's there to build you for you. But if you're in the pain and you're blaming others or you're, you're feeling sorry for yourself, or you're comparing yourself to others, or man, fuck, now I'm behind, I had this big job, and now I'm divorced, and now I lost the job, or left the job, and now I've got this, and like freaking living in my sister's house, what a loser I am. Yeah. That's your shit, that's your choice. That's your choice at every moment, how you define what's happening. It's gonna happen regardless, supposed to. You either take what you need from it, or you're gonna get what you're supposed to get. Like, it's your choice, you know? It's that resonated with me on a, on such a deep level. Even the tattoo thing resonated with me. There was a time when I was going through the shit when I was in the muck, and the the song by the, the Eagles already gone came on. Yeah. And I, growing up, my dad was a huge classic rock fan, so I probably heard this song a thousand times. But there was a line in that song that stood out to me at that moment that I was like. I heard it and I was like, holy shit, this was meant for me to hear at this time. And in the song, the line is, too often times it happens that we live our lives in chains and we never even know we have the key. And it was like, whoa, like that really dug down deep into my soul thinking like, 
all the shit that I want to become, it's in here already. I just have to figure out how to get it out. It's already inside. So mm. once I heard that, and that's, I'm going to get that tattooed somewhere on my body. So once you said the tattoo, that, that will happen. That line or a key or something. I love that. I, I, t- I often talk about the, the Michelangelo's David story. David's in the marble. When Michelangelo was asked how he created David, he said, I didn't create David. I just chipped away the pieces of marble that weren't David. That's the same shit you're talking about. Dude, yeah. I got to go listen to that song. I'm going to make, I might make that the snippet that we play before this episode. Like literally you saying that, cause dude, that is, that gave me chills, man. I've never yeah. heard that in that song ever. Yep. And I'll tell you, I've, I've, I've heard the song so many times now it's on my, when I'm training, that's on my playlist. I need to hear that just leading up to that point, knowing that all the other shit it's inside of you. Like you, you could either let someone else dictate, you know, your, your journey, your story, your narrative, or you could be like, Nope, that's in me. The story is coming from inside of me. Dude, it's so good. I, I mean, it's so good. Yes. I love that. And, and so Let's fast forward to um, let's fast forward to what you're doing now. This is your mission, and and I wanna I wanna dig in a little deeper than just what your mission is, but how you came to this mission. So you already gave us a little bit of information on on the yeah. the, the club you're running for young men at the school. Remind me of it. I'm blanking on it. So the the group was called Building Men. Oh, it's your like your podcast. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I was, I ran that for many years and then my last couple of years in education, I was basically told you can't do that. A principal can't spend time on stuff that has nothing to do with the curriculum. Yeah. And I, I kept pushing back like, this is so important. At what point in our, in our educational careers do we learn about masculinity? Never. No, never. It's, and so we we're, we're basing our idea of masculinity and what we need to become as men on, on what we're learning in school from pr- primarily women who are teaching us about the different, you know, things that we need to learn in school. You know, 75%, 80% of teachers are women until you get to high school and then they're, you know, it it kind of evens out a little bit more. We're hearing it from, you know, society. We're watching it, you know, in different areas. We're seeing it on fucking porn. You know, like this, this is what I need to be as a man. Um, And what I started to realize, I was getting like these, these red lights or these stop signs everywhere. You can't do this. You can't do this. One morning I woke up and I was like, I can't do it anymore. I'm like, I don't, I don't believe in what I'm doing. I, I hated going to work every day and I, I loved working with kids, but I hated going to work. And I was like, I need to make this big shift. So one of the things I always wanted to do was write a book about rites of passage with young men, like the building men idea. I wanted to write a book about it, but it was something that I, I thought about and I put it up on a shelf and I looked at it. It was like, a tra- one day I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that one day, one day, one day, one day. And it never, ever happened. And so now I'm in this, I pull my car over, I'm in this field and I hear the song and I'm like, you know what? I need to do something here. And I, right after that, I listened to a podcast. Um, the guy's name is Stephen Mathis and he runs, he does a podcast called Holistic Alpha. And I actually just interviewed him yesterday for my podcast. And he was one that he was doing this boot camp. He's like, I'm going to do a 30 day boot camp. Um, pay what you want to pay. You could join it. And so I was like, I'm going to do this. I need something that's going to at least kickstart me in some direction. I was depressed. I was out of shape. I probably was, I, I was definitely 40 pounds heavier than I am right now. And I'm a big dude. I'm 6'4". I was 6'4", 255 at the time. Um, so I, I do this podcast and I was like, I'm just going to push all my chips in and I'm going to go for it. So everything he, he asked me to do, I did. I, you know, it was like drinking water, meditating, daily physical challenges. And so for 30 days, I killed it. And then he's like, all right, if you want to join again for the next 30 days, you can do it for free the next 30 days. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to do it again for another 30 days. And all of a sudden I started developing these like habits and I'm like, sort of feel more confident in myself. And the, the guy, Steven is like, man, you killed it. He's like, I'm so proud of what you did. He's like, I'll give you a free month of coaching, whatever you want to do for the next month. You want to work on physical strength, whatever it is. I said, I want to start a podcast. And he's like, all right, I'll help you start a podcast. So he helped me start building men, which I started in July my goal is to do one episode every week, every week for 52 weeks and then use the content that I create to write a book about masculinity. That's kind of the, the journey that I'm on right now. I love that, dude. I'm just taking some notes because I, I want to make sure that my, um, and I'll go back and review all this, but I, I want to make sure that my, the editors are pulling some really powerful clips here. And so let's get into that. Your, your podcast is called Building Men. By the way, I want to ask you, about the books you're reading too. So I want to make sure that the audience gets, gets really inside track to your world. Um, but dude, there, what, you, what you're saying is you got to take that chance. 
you've got to take that chance on yourself to find who you really are. And if you, and if it causes a divorce, if it causes pain, if it causes loss of a job, it's totally okay. Because here's the deal. I heard this from, um, uh, from uh, Wayne Dyer. And he said, look, there's a big difference between how people live. You're either going to live a hundred years, one year, hundred times, or you're going to live a hundred years where it's all different. And it's your job. It's your job because the divorce and the loss of a job and the pain and the bullshit that's temporary is very worth it when you are aligned with your mission. And in, in when you're dialed in, days are easy. Time with your children, time with your spouse, time with yourself. It's very simple. It's simply done. You're not like, oh, fuck, I got to do this because you're worried about what that person's going to think if you don't get this report on in time. And, and all the shit that you worried about based on other people's assessments and judgments and, ex and expectations of you, it fucking fades. And you show up every day and you own your shit at the highest level you possibly can, which by the way is way higher than you are in your, in your resistance, in your job that you hate and the life that you hate. Yep. And it's like, like my wife says to me, she's like, man, you have six coaching clients today. Is that tough? And I'm like, um, no, because I, I, I apply my power for the path. So like, I'm not out doing crazy shit all day. And then I've got to like tough it out. I also know that I don't stay up till 2 AM the night before I have like six calls on Wednesday because I am living this mission and everything I do around it has to do with it. So the things I'm studying and the, and the choices I make with my children and the choices I make for vacations and investments, it all has to do with that. So it makes my integrity to my word and my commitment rise as well. And I want, you know, there's like, I, I, I say this on every, on, every, on every episode. You are listening right now. Yes, you in your car or in the gym or wherever you are listening, it's you that we're talking to. Like you were looking for a sign, this is it. This is the sign that you need to take that next step to start to change your life. I'm not telling you that your life sucks. I'm telling you that if you don't love it, then you need to make changes you're going to die one day and you're going to feel the regret of that one day. And you and I are fortunate ones who got out and got to, and got to become the man, the person on the mission and understand the mission because we cleared the shit and we got clarity on what the mission was. But we, we went through a lot of pain to get that and you will go through pain to get it. It just makes it even sweeter, right? Absolutely. And you think about this, there was a study done about people that are in their 90s. You know, they, they're in the twilight of, their, of oh. their experience on earth, right? And they were asked, a thousand people in their mid-90s were asked, what piece of advice would you give to someone along their journey, in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, whatever? And there were a million different answers, but three things were the most consistent answers. One was to spend much more time with loved ones, with family, with people that you can make a difference to in the world. The second thing was to take a risk. Take that risk, whatever it is, whatever you think that's, that's putting you in that box or that's holding you down, take the risk. It's scary as fuck, right? It's yeah. so scary to do, but it's worth it. You don't want to look back on these moments and say, man, I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have, whatever it was. And the third thing was to find something that you can do to leave a legacy. So when you're gone, what can you be remembered by? Like for what, by whom? Like what are those things that you'll be remembered by after you're gone? So those three things, spend time with loved ones, take the risk, and then what are you going to do to leave a legacy when you're no longer here? Yeah, dude, uh, five regrets of the dying, right? Is that what that book is? Absolutely. Yeah, a, a powerful book, man, a really powerful book. It's, there's a, um, I've gotten really deep into Jim Carrey, the comedian, like the actor, into his shit. I mean, he is profound as hell. Regardless of what you think about him, this is an ascended, a very ascended dude. And if you want to go on and find out what Jim has to say, go on, type in Jim Carrey motivational quotes or things like that. And you'll see, you've probably seen it. There's a, a commencement speech he did. And I forget, I think it was Maharishi University. And he said about his father, you know, you can, one of the lessons he learned from his father was he watched his father do some fail at something he, he hated, which was being an accountant because he needed to just, just provide for the family. And it was never a thought process in his father's mind to like go out and find what he loved because he had a job to do, which was provide for the family. Because back then, you know, 60s, 70s, like you didn't, you didn't take chances. Women weren't out working in the, in the, in the depths that they were today. It just was the times, I guess. And, um, and he said, um, 
you can fail at what you love. So why not take a chance at doing, or you can fail at what you hate. So why not take a chance at doing something that you love? And he says, the other thing I love is that he says, too many, too many people uh, disguise fear as practicality and they get a job. I might be, I might be butchering that. They confuse fear as practicality, something like that along those, and I'll put it in the show notes. I'll get the right one in the show notes, but they, 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 they mask or they confuse fear as practicality, which in which they say like, no, 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 I'm, 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 I'm good. Like my parents want me to be an accountant. That's cool. Like I'm supposed to do that. I, it's a great job and it'll have benefits. And, and yeah, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to school and get a job and just do this, even though I'm fucking not happy and I hate numbers. Totally cool. My buddy, my buddy, Mike did that CPA track. Fucking hated his life. Now he owns a bunch of hotels and runs Airbnbs and he's a master at Airbnbs and he got out. You know what I mean? He's fortunate like we are, but we also made those choices. It doesn't happen automatically. You, you mentioned before about going through the divorce and, and that impact on me. And I'll never forget, I was driving with my youngest, who's, uh, she'll be 11 soon, so she was 10 at the time. Um, and we're driving and it was, you know, we're going down the shore and the sun was in my face, you know? And it was like almost blonde. I had to put the, you know, the visor down or whatever. And she's like, Daddy, just leave the sun in your face. It looks so good on you. And I was like, yeah, I was like, it's kind of cool seeing the, you know, the sun in your face. She's like, she's like, these last couple of months, Dad, the sun's always shining in your face now. She's like, I could just tell the sun shining in your face. And she said that to me, and I like got choked up because it was like right a larger thing. She saw in me that it wasn't. When I think about going through divorce, I felt like I was letting down, you know, my kids on such a deep level. But I wasn't. I was showing them like. It, it's, it's not giving up. It's, it's believing in you in a way that you're like, I'm going to do what's right for me to do what's right for you as my children. And they saw it in me. And that was like, that was the most impactful statement she could have ever made to me. To me, that validated everything that I was going through at the time. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right, hon. You are absolutely right. Dude, that's, uh, I saw your emotion come out. It freaking immediately got me emotional, man, because I, th- I, think, about, I think about my children and I, and I think, you know, I could provide all this uh, money and, and stuff for them. But like, what are they actually learning from me to watch me go through and live my mission? Like, even if I were fucking broke, wouldn't that mean more to them? Isn't that what legacy is about? Legacy is not money. Too many of these, these, these hustle porn stars talk about leaving legacy as money. And then these, these people follow them and, and they buy things and they invest in things and, and, but they're still not present at home. So you're not leaving a legacy if you leave money. You're leaving money. That's not a legacy. A legacy is who you're being for your children or for society or for your employees so they can model after you. Because if you leave a shit ton of money and you're a dick, dad, an asshole, husband, disconnected, distant, you haven't left shit. You've actually left them more in the hole and regressed a generation of people when it's your job to progress your generation. And my dad said that to me. I remember like, I think we hit like seven figures in our real estate business in a year. And I was so proud of that. And my dad said, that's awesome, man. I'm proud of you. I knew you could do it. It's very clear you could do it. That's not the point. The point is, what are you actually doing for people? Besides bullshit, like selling them houses and helping them buy. Like, who are you for people? And it, and it struck me. And then that year, my wife said to me, you know, she was talking about divorce. We were circling that at the end of 2016. And she said to me, are you really the measure of a man that you want your daughter to attract in her life one day? And I was like, dude, that fucking wow. me up. Yeah. She, she, um, she, I said, it, fuck, it fucking dropped me, dude. It, it dropped me like, like a square kick to the face. And I, I looked at her and I said, like with tears in my eyes, I said, no, I'm not. She goes, and it doesn't matter about me. Like I can find someone else and you can find someone else, but she can't. So, and I obviously didn't have my son at that point. So she was one. She, my wife said, this is a timer. It's ticking. Like you have to make the changes for you or you're going to raise a little girl that knows a selfish asshole, disconnected father, even though on Facebook, you look like you love your children and you do. Is that really the dad and the model you want to be? And it fucking, it, it, it turned me, man. Like it completely turned me. Like I, I, I started 
talking more and communicating more. It's the first time I really ever showed my wife vulnerability and, and the deeper depths of me that I've been hiding from and behind money and success and power and business. And I finally said to her, I said, look, I, I fucking hate my life. Like, yeah, I'm really successful. And all these people look at me and they, and they give me accolades, but like, I fucking miserable every day. I hate selling real estate. I hate going to the office. I don't like this. I'm not meant to do this. And she said, well, you got to tough this out for a little bit longer until you find out what you want to do. So that's the means to an end that we were talking about. And anybody who sees me on Facebook and sees my daughter with me doing videos, that's authentic me. And that's me being a model for her of someone who says, Hey, I'm a little nervous. I'm scared to get on videos sometimes too. I'm scared to get on the mic and talk deep with a guy like you about vulnerable shit and fucking tear up in front of tens of thousands of people that are going to watch this and listen to this. But as models of men on purpose, you know what I mean? As, as, as someone who is building men on purpose, we have no other choice but to be the best model that we can be. And that's it. Like, that's our mission. And it's, it, dude, it's so great knowing you and, and knowing other guys on this path to know that, like, you're not alone. Like, there, there are other people that think this. And, and dude, I just want to applaud you for what you're doing, the steps you've taken, the risks you've taken, the, the growth you've experienced, and the, and the mission you're on is, is, is phenomenal. I love it. I appreciate that, man. From the bottom of my heart, I appreciate it. Isn't it funny? We, we, could, we could sit in front of a microphone. We could talk to all these people. And then once we, we start talking about our daughters, we turn into piles of mush. We're like these big piles that go and we start tearing up. It's amazing, right? Oh, dude, I'm telling you. That, that, that little girl, like obviously my son's one, so you know, it's, it hasn't hit yet. And, and I think moms don't understand that it doesn't hit, for, for me at least as a dad, it, never, it didn't hit until she was about maybe 16 or 18 months. So my son's like, you know, 14 months old. And so it just hasn't hit yet. Obviously it's a sweet little fat, cute, soft baby. And, but my daughter, man, like I have the opportunity to make sure that she is not a fucking statistic, that she is not one of the cogs and she's not one of the spokes in the wheel. And just another woman that is just beaten by this society and the pressure, especially, especially as a woman. And, and what she's supposed to look like and how skinny she's supposed to be and what kind of clothes she's supposed to wear, what her face is like, and what she's supposed to do with her life. Like my goal is just self-empowerment, inner empowerment. So when the world starts to pressure down on her as a female, like she just makes choices that serve her and her mission and, and nobody can take her off that. Like that's my mission as her dad. So I I know you had the similar one with your kids. Absolutely. And two things. I mean, I think about one, um, that going back to like conversations that you're having with your kids, I, why not have conversations with your kids? Just people are like, Hey, how was your day? What happened? Well, how was your day? Good, fine. You know, you hear those things. I'm almost thinking like, ask your kids at the end of the day, what did you do to take a risk today? Yeah. You know, what did you fail at today? Yeah. Um, what did you do to make the world a better place today to help somebody out today? You know, that's what it's about. And the other thing I was thinking as you were talking, I, I did a podcast with my younger brother, Rachel, my, my younger brother, Anthony, he's 14 years younger than me. And we just got onto this groove of once a week, we're doing a podcast together. Um, we just have a good vibe with one another. We bust balls a lot as brothers do. Um, but we talked about, you know, the, the, the idea of the last time that shit happens in your life. You always remember your, your, you'll remember your daughter's first steps or first words or first day of kindergarten. You remember all those things. But you don't remember the last time that something happens. You don't remember. So I was talking to him about this on my podcast, and I got choked up. I mean, and I don't want you to think that building men is about me crying every single time that I talk about something. But I talked about, I don't remember the last time that I read my daughter a story before she went to bed. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't know that that's the last time that it happens, right? The last time that you have a catch with your dad. The last time, you know, whatever it is. And, and so the idea is to go into those every single moment you show up in, Go into that moment thinking this might be the last time that I have this moment. So fully embrace it. Go into a in like a full experiential model. Like you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna see this. I'm gonna hear it. I'm gonna feel everything that goes on here because this might be the last time that it happens. This might be the last time that she sits on my lap and kisses me and calls me daddy. Right. So let me totally. let me fucking feel into this right now, right? Yeah. Let me be present with it because that regret, you know, like you were talking about earlier, that regret is what you will really feel and process later on in life because you can't get those times back. You can't take a 26 year old daughter and sit her on your lap and be like, let me read you a story. Just put your arms around me. Like 
You can't, right. it's, not, Weird. it's not the same. Uh, we, and by the way, that's great advice for uh, speaking with your children. By the way, dude, uh, we're, we're, not, we're not apologizing for being men on purpose who are fucking vulnerable and who understand and are connected with our emotions. Amen. You know, like, Agreed. Period. Um, and so it's not the first time I've cried on this podcast and it won't be the last. Um, and so like the, the, I, I want to add one thing. Like, I love that. I learned that from Sarah Blakely's documentary, uh, who started Spanx. Her dad used to ask her, what did she learn today? What was a cool experience today? And what did you fail at today? So she took failure as a necessary step to success and not as what school teaches us or what society teaches us as you're a loser or you're never going to be anything. Right. So we do that every day. We say like, what are you grateful for? Uh, so my daughter does affirmations in the morning automatically now. She adds new ones every day. I've been doing that since she was about 18 months. Um, and not teaching her, showing her. Big difference. It's like the difference between um, uh, schooling and education. Kids go to school to get schooled. They're not getting education. Half that shit's worthless anyway. Like, you are a model. So model the behavior, and your kids will do that. Your kid's an asshole. It's because you're an asshole, period. <laughs> Period. <laughs> it's because how Absolutely. you show up and who you are being. So like my daughter would come into the bathroom with me and she would just sit on the counter and she'd watch me do affirmations in the mirror and she'd watch me journal. And so that's what she does because she's modeling my behavior. Trust me, I'm doing the behavior on purpose. But so we start asking her in the evening, you know, what you learn, what you, were you excited about, cool experiences you have, what are you grateful for? And then instead of learning the word fail too early, I would say, what is one thing that you wish you could do differently or better or like faster? Because I want her to understand that those are still things that she's growing to. Like, I want to do this a little bit better. I want to draw a little better. Cool. Here are the steps to get you to do that. Or, you know, and I want her to understand that growth is a step staged process. It's not one to a hundred. It's climb the building one step at a time. Yeah. Slip back, just keep climbing. And so She's getting, when I'm away, she's not as great. But when I'm in the room with her, she's really good at like, you know, I was running and I tripped two times and I want to run faster and not trip. I'm like, cool. How can we do that? And I'm training her brain to constantly ask, I, you know, how can I do that? Why, why is that happening? Like curiosity versus uh, the scarcity or, or abandonment of further progression in the brain, like saying, I don't know, or that must be nice or we can't do that. Those people like that shit's terrible for a kid, you know, terrible. So I love what you're doing, man. I absolutely love what you, let me check the time. Shit. You're, you're just, um, for, for anybody that's, um, obviously a lot of people are going to listen to this cause I'm going to promote the shit out of this thing. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of great stuff from this. Um, where can people find you? And obviously it'll be in the show notes too, but where can people find you in the building men podcast and like, what books are you reading right now to educate yourself? Sure. So um, you can find a lot of the stuff I put out is on Instagram. It's building.men is my Instagram. The podcast is everywhere. You can find my podcast all over. I'm like 43 or 44 episodes in. I mentioned I started in July 1 of last year, and my goal is to get 52 this year. Um, Facebook, it's Building Men Podcast. Uh, my website is buildingmen.io. It's just I just started the, the website. So again, I'm kind of new in, into this journey, and I'm looking yeah. to – kind of start up this whole movement around like what can we do to, to help people understand masculinity especially with the idea of perseverance as kind of this backdrop where things are not always going to go our way but what can we do to pick ourselves up when we're sure. kind of feeling that mucky lost spot what can we do to kind of help each other and build each other up so that's where that's where you can find me uh, my my um, email is buildingmencoach at gmail.com books that i'm reading right now um a couple that i that i always go back to um one, whenever, whenever I kind of, I'm feeling like um, things are not going my way or I start to fucking bitch or whine, it's Man's Search for Meaning. I mean, that's one by Viktor Frankl. That's one that I just, it's, it's like, a, you know, my almanac, basically. Um, uh, things Like a Monk by Jay Shetty is one that I, you know, that I go back to frequently. I probably have, I've read it and listened to the audiobook twice. Jay Shetty just has this really, just his voice is a voice, really yeah. common voice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, the uh, couple other ones, um, Own the Day, Own Your Own Your Life, Aubrey Marcus. I'm a huge fan of his podcast too. Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss. Yep. Um, a Lion Tracker's Guide to Life by Boyd Vardy. If you've never listened to Boyd Vardy, I would highly, highly recommend. He's this like badass South African lion tracker. And he tells these really, really cool stories 
Um, quick podcast, but he also has a book. It's awesome. Just awesome life lessons. And then The Way of the Superior Man by yeah. David Dita. Yeah. That's another one. Those are just a couple. Um, Love it. Probably a couple more too, but. You know, dude, you know a book that I just got into is the um, uh, Wayne Dyer's Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. The, um, uh, oh, let me find it real quick. It's uh, Living the Wisdom of the Tao, the Tao Te Ching. Have you ever okay. read that? I've, I haven't read that one yet. No, it's, uh, it's insane. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's very, it's deeper than anything I've ever read before. And I've read the Tao Te Ching before. However, his breakdown, he rereads all 81, I think, or 82 verses and he breaks them down. So it's like a, I don't know, crazy six hour, eight hour book. And he breaks them all down. These are 2,500 year old lessons that you can apply to your life today. And the cool thing is you're, bre- he's, you're breaking them down by a modern guy who's a, who's a, you know, a very ascended being. So I love that, man. Absolutely love that. Um, thanks for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. We'll Absolutely. Out this is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I got to have you on without a doubt, man. I, I could just – we could hang out and bullshit for hours at a time. I mean, like <laughs> an hour went by really quickly, and I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface yet. Well, maybe we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll do another one. You know, we'll, we'll dive on board, into like a really deep topic. I, I know that the audience is going to freaking love this, man, because this is, this is raw, authentic mental purpose. And, and, and it's just, yeah, I, I love it. So, bro, thanks for being here. Um, remember, everybody, you can, uh, you can find anything about Dennis in the, in the show notes. You can find it on mentalpurposepodcast.com uh, or at mentalpurpose on Instagram. I'm going to post a bunch of stuff up leading up to the episode. I'll do a video talking about the episode and I'll place the link in there. Um, so as always, thank you so much for watching and helping us continue our mission to elevate, educate, empower, enrich, and evolve men to be on purpose in this world for everything that they see as, and deem as, as important to them. And um, yeah, thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks again for listening to the Men on Purpose podcast where our mission is to educate, elevate, and activate every man to truly live their best, most fulfilling life possible. To find out more about the podcast, our guests, or becoming a man on purpose, visit menonpurposepodcast.com and choose your most purposeful path forward.